It's spooky season, and this month on Hey Cool Rain, we're going to be talking about some terrifying tales and haunted encounters. The most popular tale that comes to mind is the legend of the Lick Road Ghost. Witnesses have reported seeing ghostly figures described as shadowy or translucent and are said to move strangely or disappear suddenly. We'll talk about this legend and more on this month's edition of Hey Cole Rain. Hey Cole Rain, I'm Helen, the communications specialist for the township. With Halloween on the horizon, we wanted to dive into a local urban legend, the Lick Road Ghost. And to help me do that, I want to welcome Kyle Nelson with U.S. Ghost Adventures. Thanks for being here. It's nice to be here. Awesome. So Kyle, how did you get into the paranormal and ghost tours? It would probably begin with reading Stephen King at too young an age. <laughs> My dad was very much into it. I got a couple of his books. And then it probably kicked off when I was able to help work on the set of filming an independent horror movie here in Cincinnati. And we got to work at the Dunham Recreation Center. And it used to be an old TV hospital. And now it's a very nice park. They have a pool and everything. They adapted the orphanage into the actual recreation center. And the location where they would burn the bodies is used for storing the vehicles for the Recreation Commission. Oh, man. Well, the morgue tunnel that leads to that from the administration buildings is still standing. And we would film part of the movie in there. And my first encounter with anything potentially paranormal is I'm part of the set crew. We're cleaning up the end of the day. I'm the youngest. I'm 12 years old. It's my job to turn off the lights. So we're going back in. And there's the front section where we walk in. And it's lit. And there's about a 30 to 40 foot section where it's pitch black. And there's another light. And I had to go down and through the pitch blackness to the other section to turn off the light. I'm in the pitch black spot. I'm about to get to the other light. And rolling into the light, I just see a wheelchair we had used earlier in the day for filming just roll right into the light. I had put that wheelchair up. I knew where it was. There was no way it should have been able to get there. I very quickly exited the tunnel and those lights were left on for the night. Oh my goodness. Oh, I would have been so terrified. It was. Oh, it wasn't anyone the cast playing a prank on you no i was the last one in i saw everybody else outside i knew where everybody was and i said i put the wheelchair up i knew where it was it should not have been able to get there oh that's scary so how did that transition into leading ghost tours well you you get a possibility you get a chance to do something like this is going to be a good idea so i saw the posting and they were like we need somebody for this i'm like i gotta try this i love storytelling i love stories let me get out here scare a few people now, it was the very beginning of spring going into summer by the time I started. So it wasn't the best season, but now it's getting a little better. It's still a little chilly out. You get out there, people have so much fun with it. It's a, it's a great way to spend an evening. I love it. So fall is definitely the best time for ghost tours then. I would definitely suggest it. The problem with doing ghost tours in the middle of summer is the daylight keeps going till basically the end of the tour. And occasionally you will have a rainbow over Washington Park which makes it very hard to be spooky and depressing when there's a rainbow right above our heads. <laughs> oh my gosh. And with U.S. Ghost Adventures in particular, what do they do? What kind of tours do you host? We host a guided walking tour through over the Rhine, downtown Cincinnati, right around Washington Park. We start at the Hamilton County Memorial Building. We go through Washington Park and around a few blocks around there, and we end up back at Music Hall. We take you through a bit of the history of the neighborhood, some of the unique things about Cincinnati that you can see just in that one section of downtown and all over. And then we tell you all these fun ghost stories and like, hey, come check these places out when it's not so spooky or if you're brave, come back later when it's dark. I like that. That's wonderful. So let's dive into the Lick Road Ghost. Most people around here in Coleraine know the legend, but what can you tell us about this? So what I was able to find from my research is that there's this old bridge. You can go down Lick Road 
And there's a couple different variations of the story. The most popular is that Amy, this girl named Amy, was killed about 30, 40 years ago by her boyfriend on this bridge. And that's what I could find out for sure. Everything else is just different ideas of what might happen while you're out there. And I'll kind of start from the way in because it's how it works. You start at the roadside leading into it and when you actually get back to the bridge. The first one I saw, and this is the one I was able to test first, was that if you flick your lights at the Lick Road sign, it will look like it says Amy. And I can verify that it does. Oh, man. Yeah, it, the light reflects off in such a way it does look like Lick Road turns into Amy. So that might be where they got the name. <laughs> it works very well. So that was like a great introduction. It primes you for everything. And then you drive down this little back road, which is very dark. Most of the lights are just coming from houses nearby. You get to the end. There's this little track. There's just enough room to park. And it's very creepy because there's like very little light coming from everywhere. It's pitch black. And if somebody else is coming down the road, you see their headlights about five minutes before they show up. So you're like, okay, who's coming down? Is some get here? Is am I about to yell by the police for being back here? It's a little weird. You know, I am back here, you know, nine, ten o'clock at night. So I was like, okay, let me not be too off-putting. Nobody wants to drive back here, see a big hairy guy. <laughs> but when you're back there, the other thing you're supposed to do is flash your lights at the kind of the gate that's at the end of the road. You do that, supposedly you might see an orb or a figure or something cross. That didn't happen for me. I wasn't lucky enough to see that. The other thing is you're also supposed to let condensation build up in your windows. Supposedly, Amy will write help in the windows. That didn't happen, but I have a decent theory as to why not. While we were eight, out there, eight other people showed up. So I'm out there with my friend. It's late. I'm like, okay, it's Sunday night. It's not going to be too busy. We had this one group come in. They walk back to the bridge with, with us real quick, and then they leave. Like, ah, that's enough. We're done. As soon as we walked out with them, just you know, talk with them for a second, another group of like four teenagers shows up. And they're less quiet. Hmm. But they get to the back and they're, I'm trying to rein them in a little bit. Like if there's a ghost back here, I'm going to talk to the ghost, maybe comfort the ghost. I don't want to be rude. And well, this is four teenagers. So they're not being the most cooperative with that goal. They're a little loud. They're having a good time. I'm like, if anybody's back here, I doubt they want to come out and talk to all these kids. It's true. Well, we nearly got the kids ready to leave. Like we'll have a little bit of time back here by ourselves when another couple rolls up. And then, like, all eight of us walk back at one time. Like, okay, there's a bunch of us back here. You do get a weird sense that somebody's watching you while you're on this bridge. It's like an old, just like, blacktop bridge. The creek runs right underneath of it. There's, like, a hiking trail on the other side. It's a little creepy. But with eight of us out there, it's very hard to be scared, right? You got a decent-sized group at that point. You're getting familiar with the location. It's not going to bother you too much. Then, eventually, they all decide to leave. They all want to go to a different haunted location somewhere else. And now it's just me and my friend. And we spent about half an hour back there. Trying to talk, see if anybody's out there, trying to listen. And I'm figuring, you know, I don't want to be rude to the ghost. I got to ask for consent before I try to film anything. And so we're, we're not filming anything yet. I'm trying to see if anything's out there. And the weird thing was, while you're out there, there's like graffiti all over the guardrails of the bridge and everything. But almost at the corner of your eye, you swear you see almost somebody watching you from underneath the bridge. Mm. There's just that weird big space under you. Every little noise echoes. The bridge is old, so it vibrates as you're walking across it or if you have teenagers jumping on it. So it's, it's a little unsettling. And then you're out there by yourself. All you can occasionally hear is like the dull roar of an airplane going overhead. That's what we got. We're out there with EMF detectors. And then we sadly realize our power lines going over the far end of the bridge. Like, okay, these aren't working great. Because that's where we were getting like, it was popping up all the way to the red for us. We're like, okay, these aren't working great. Let's just see if we can talk to anybody. Unfortunately, nobody talked to us. Like I said, you just had this creepy feeling somebody was watching you the entire time. So maybe Amy's not a talker. Maybe not. Or maybe she was kind of put off by like 10 people showing up in one night. 
So. That, that could be. I mean, I would be if someone showed up to my home that way. Because everybody so. shows up unannounced, being loud, being a little rude. I wouldn't want to be very talkative either. No, not at all. So there is some paranormal activity out there that you felt, nothing that you could talk to or confirm. Um, talk a little bit more about the, the devices you use. So the main thing we just had is, so for the ghost, I carry like a lantern. And I'm like, okay, this would be very mood setting out here, you know, see if it helps us. So I had my normal lantern. We had EMF detectors. My friend had brought one of those ghost boxes, which like rapidly scan radio signals, and it jumps channel to channel. And the theory is that it's supposed to allow like a ghost to communicate through that energy, but you also occasionally just pick up like weird bits of radio chat. The one thing that did happen out there that was a little weird is we had the teenagers and everything out there. We got the ghost box going, and we hear the name Carson. And then one of the teenagers absolutely freaks out, which because it happens to be his name. Oh, man. So, can't tell exactly what it was, but like, that's a little suspicious. He was also the loudest of the teenagers. They're telling him to quiet down a little bit. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Or they just like him a lot. Or they just, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's, oh, how scary. Do you ever get, I mean, from reading the Stephen King novels and kind of growing up in this, you know, in this lifestyle, uh, do you ever get scared anymore? A little bit. But I recently worked this out with a friend that there's very little chance that anything can go wrong, right? I just follow this little logic trait. There's either there's a ghost or there's not. If there's a ghost, it's either going to be friendly or it's not. If it's friendly, nothing to worry about. If it's not friendly, it's either just going to try to harm me or it's going to try to do something worse. If it comes true, if it only tries to harm me, at least I won't die. If it tries to do something worse, well, I either escape or I don't, and it's no longer my problem. So using that logic, I'm able to keep myself somewhere pretty good and not worry too much about anything. Because all these, it's, it'll, it'll be fine. Yeah. As long as it was respectful, I probably won't bring anything home. Oh, no. Probably not. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. What's the worst that could happen? (laughs) Are there any other ghost stories or paranormal stories in Cincinnati that really catch your attention aside from this one? Well, there is Dunham Recreation with all the weird things out there. That park, it it has a great energy to it, especially if they're at that night. There's also a Potter's Field, which is for people who either weren't claimed after they died or their family couldn't afford a proper burial. That's still in the woods. If there's no fence or anything around it, you follow one of the hiking trails up down, it'll lead you right back to it. So that's a little spooky. You get back to that one. And if you just go over to Washington Park where all those stories are, the, the entire time you're down there, it's pretty lively. Until about 9 o'clock at night. It really clears out and you get a very strange feeling. There's something weird here. There's strange things going on. You, you just feel a little nervous the entire time you're down there. Which, it's downtown Cincinnati. Some people feel nervous anyway, but it's, like, it's a little more than that. It's a little oppressive. And then you find out half of that used to be a cemetery, too. Which, with that, I mean, Spring Grove Cemetery, I got a lot of family there. None of them have complained yet. But if you want a spooky feeling, or, you know, frankly, a, a walk on a nice day, head down to Spring Grove. Be respectful. But head down there. Take it all that in. And just the sheer size of it. Because it's, like, the second largest cemetery in the it United States. It is huge, yeah. It's massive. You, you'll get something there. You're going to have to. There's just so many bodies there. Typically, these cemeteries, they're not fenced off because they're so old. They're right out in the open. And that's a nice place to take a walk during the day. Again, be respectful, just like Spring Grove. But walk through, you'll get a feeling almost every time. You can't walk through a cemetery without getting a certain feeling. Walk through that. If you know any historic buildings, you know, go there. Especially if it's like a a current business or something. Go in there. The owner will probably want to tell you a couple stories, which is something that happens on the tour all the time. If you run into one of the owners, they'll they'll love to share a story or somebody that works. They want to share these stories because they've been there the longest. They know all the extra fun things that tend to happen. So if you find a good old building, go in there, especially if it's a current business, ask around, see if they have any good stories. They'll probably want to show you around, too, because you'll buy something. So go in there, ask around. You'll be able to find a good story. There's history hiding everywhere. I always make a joke about one of the buildings. Not a joke, but a statement. 
is one of her buildings doesn't have any traumatic events tied to it. It was just a family home for a very long time. And I always bring up the fact, what will leave a greater mark in a building? A single tragic event or decades and decades of everyday circumstance and energy building up in the walls? You're going to have, you know, in a very old home, you're going to have first steps, first kisses. You're going to have final goodbyes and final breaths. There's going to be a story there. There's going to be an energy in, in the building and the land around it. So you can find this stuff everywhere. Just keep an open mind, go looking for it, and you'll have fun. Is there something that people should look for maybe when they are out in these spots if they don't have a ghost box or like an EMF reader? The biggest thing is I'm just pay attention to the little things, right? Everybody like, knows, like, did we leave that door open or not? Did it happen to close? You want to always double check these things. Always make sure you know your way out of any place you're going to go. But assuming how a lot of people do that using all this interaction with the living world takes a lot of energy, odds are if they're going to try to communicate, it'll be something small. So people will bring like a ball and see if they're going to move it around or like a dice or something like that and see if it moves. Pay attention to the little things. Maybe you'll see something out the corner of your eye. That's, that's all they can harness. They don't want to be directly observed. Like, hey, I want to see you. I'm here, but I don't want you looking at me. So right. pay attention to the little things. That, and you'll really get into the mood for it that way. You'll feel a little paranoid. That's what you want. That's true. That's true. I know there's a lot of bootlegger history, too, especially on the other side of the river in Kentucky. Um, do you have any people going tours with that? Or do you offer any tours with that sort we of thing? We actually do. One of the locations is currently Kruger's Tavern. It's a very nice restaurant. I ate there about a month and a half ago. They're great there. The food is lovely. So it used to be a brewery when it first opened in the 1850s, which they had a very large basement, sub-basement complex to have all the vats in. They also had tunnels that kind of ran for miles all around just so they could reach other buildings and everything, which half the streets downtown also used to be canals. So when those were paved over, who knows what was left below those. And then we have the subway system and everything that we never finished that might connect to a million things. So there are stories of bootleggers and everything downtown. Surprisingly, I learned this from one of the guests on the tour. There's the Mafia Museum out in Las Vegas. They make a very big mention of Cincinnati. We were, in fact, one of the original Sin Cities. So we've, we've got a cool history. You can get some of that. There are, like, haunted bar crawls and everything. I definitely advise people to check those out. I like that. I like that. Yeah, I've heard the Sin City reference before many times. What kind of people go on these sorts of tours? The one thing that surprised me the most is it's mostly people from out of town. Really? Yes. I've... Had a few, I'll usually have like one or two locals every tour, but it's usually people out of town from Maine to California, a couple from Alaska, which Maine to, people from Maine and Alaska have confirmed our potholes are worse. But the farthest guest I've had so far has been from Denmark. Wow. They were in town for some concert and like, we got to go on the ghost tour because people get here, especially to look around downtown, they'll get a sense that there is an older history here. We're one of the first cities founded right after, or right after the Revolutionary War. We've got an old history. It's like Lorraine does. There's this beautiful part to it. Well, since that, they like, yeah, this will be kind of fun. But they're all a little weird. Like, everybody goes to tour. It's a little out there. Either they'll be one of the people that really enjoy serial killer shows, or they're just like, okay, I know there's something out there. We're a little spiritual. We're a little witchy. It's, I can't judge too much. I do those tours. I feel, I mean, especially this time of year, I feel like a lot of people have kind of that witchy side to them anyway, where they want to know. They want to, you know, they're watching Hocus Pocus <laughs> or something like that. They want to know if something's out there. I'm sure you notice an uptick in the amount of people on tours during the fall yes. as opposed to other times of the year. They say during the summer, people are out partying. If the weather's nice, they want to go do other things. It gets a little bit colder. They want to stay in groups for the most part. Most people are not as willing to go somewhere alone when it's colder and dark out. They want to stay in a group. They want to hear spooky things in kind of a safe way, right? This so way you don't feel too threatened. You're not going into like an abandoned building by yourself, right? That's a little too much for most people. But a ghost tour, that's easy. That's friendly, right? 
There's nothing to worry about there. And yeah. you might find a nice place to go get a drink afterwards. Absolutely. You probably won't be drinking alone, but. <laughs> especially if there's not spirits, or especially if there's spirits around and more spirits than one. <laughs> has there been anything that you, that maybe a guest has brought up that you've learned? So, luckily, our tour starts at Hammond County Memorial Building. And one of the people there saw our tour and said, we had to go on them. So she gave us an additional story for that one about an IT guy who worked there. He said, late at night, all the computers start going haywire. He's having a lot of issues. And then all of a sudden, every computer screen starts flashing in unison, which he's like, okay, I'm done. I'm leaving. He's, and he won't, he won't work the late shift anymore. There's that. But directly from our guests, the main thing we have is we have the current, it's a symphony hotel and restaurant which it started as a mansion in like the 1840s. It's one of the older buildings on the tour, which people think is like music hall or something, which those are the newest buildings. It's like 1877. And then uh, Memorial Building is like 1908. Those are the new buildings on the tour. Wow. The uh, Symphony Hotel, built back in the 1840s as a mansion, turned into the Clyde Hotel. And at that time, and I always mention this, I have to mention this in a very family-friendly way because occasionally there are children on the tour. It's mostly family-friendly. Um, it was a house of ill repute. Got it. And I will tell people this story, and then I will ask if anybody's counter anything, which this is the main spot where I have specifically females on the tour. Their hair will be pulled, or they'll feel like a little bit of poking, which they are less excited about that when I tell them what the building used to be. Oh, At least most of them. Yes. So that's where all the activity has been focused, is that hotel. Right. I'll add one thing that I throw on our current tour. And we're not currently offering our student tour because we're rewriting it. We're trying to make it better. And our extended tour originally ended on City Hall, which is a friendly new building that's finished like the 1890s, and it has absolutely one ghost story. It's about a young woman. She's in there, and this is an older story, and as a child, you could definitely tell the difference between uh, men and women's shoes on the tile floor. You'd be able to hear the difference between like a nice pair of platforms and loafers. Well, she's in the ladies' restroom, and she hears somebody walk in, and she immediately recognizes, okay, these aren't women's shoes. These are men's shoes. So she looks underneath the stall, and she sees a pair of shoes standing right outside her stall which would be less disturbing if somebody was in them. So she just sees the shoes, and she's sitting there 20 minutes looking at them. The shoes then turn. Somehow the door opens, and they walk out. She then sits there for another 20 minutes before she gets in her belief. That's the only ghost story from City Hall, and I have a couple theories as to why. One, it's a political building. People are starting their career. They don't want to ruin that by telling ghost stories. People are thinking they're crazy. Alternatively, on the same corner where City Hall is, there are two different houses of worship. There is the Isaac and Weiss Temple, which was built in the 1860s, so several decades older than City Hall. There's also St. Peter and Chains Catholic Cathedral. Now, you I tell us on the tour is that maybe one of the reasons there are so many ghosts is because you have these two houses of worship right there, kind of keeping everything away. Alternatively, there's also a pure romance building right between those two. Oh, so yeah. you're getting from City Hall, two churches, and then a pure romance building. So it's hard to tell what exactly it may be. I can't say exactly what it is. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Do you feel, I mean, you hear a lot of superstitions, right? And things where, what attracts ghosts, what deters ghosts. Do you, can you get into some of those? Like A little bit. The thing I love is because Cincinnati was such a hub for so many different cultures. You had people coming from Germany and Ireland early on. You had the big Catholic population. You had the Italians and everything coming up. Even today, we've got a lot of different populations coming with traditions from all over the world. And they all have a different like version of what keeps something away. Like especially the tradition of if somebody dies in the house, you cover up all the mirrors and open the windows so the spirit can get out. And I always found that most of them revert around things that are common that people almost always have. Like when you would kill a vampire, it takes a certain kind of wood, but it's always the wood native to your region. So there's always the salt. There's always you know religious iconography that people resort to. They'll say a little prayer or something like that. 
And also, usually people who say manners typically work. Manners usually keep a ghost away. It's like, ah, oh, they're being nice. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to bother the person being nice. <laughs> please, ghost, please leave. <laughs> so that's that's one of the big ones I tend to notice is that people, they'll be very polite as soon as they notice something. Very few people get more aggressive with an active ghost. Okay. So manners seem to be the gar- the greatest guarantee that you'll be okay. I, said, yeah. I know we just have so many old buildings. I said, we're an old city. Sometimes people forget that. Especially if you look downtown, they tore down a lot of the old buildings, but many of them are still standing. And some of them act currently as museums. You can go in there. We have the uh, Firehouse Museum downtown. Check that out. That's supposed to have a ghost in it. There's a million things to go look around. Um, you can find so you find this history everywhere. Just look around. You'll see an old building. Stand around, especially at night. Look in the windows. You might see something weird. Or if people are living there, you might see something weird, too. <laughs> but like I said, you can find this stuff everywhere. Has has there ever been a, a story that you've heard where you're like, well, that's just absurd. Like, there's no way. I always have a hard time taking where people will see, like, the full body ghost and then, like, it completely, like, interact or they had a conversation with it. I was a little skeptical. That's, that's a lot. Were you just there on a very good day? Did you have a few good drinks? What was going on? But I'll tell you, is, uh, like, Waverly Hills Sanatorium. And the, one of the famous stories that come out of there is, like, if you see your doppelganger there, it's supposed to be a very bad omen that your death is quickly approaching. Like, I always find those stories a little hard. Yeah. It's just like, that's a lot. You're asking me to accept a lot here. So whenever somebody comes with like that or like a super detailed story, because mm. typically you're seeing something strange, you're, you're going fight or flight. You remember absolutely every detail. You know everything this ghost was wearing. You happen to remember everything it said verbatim. It's a little weird, but I'm here for it. The story's always good. Mm-hmm. Okay. All righty. What are some tips that you have for people going on the ghost tour? I mean, I imagine you have to have an open mind going into something like this. Yes. If if you're not going for the ghost, at least go for the stories. But come for the ghost. At least for the sour. It's like during a horror movie. You're open to it. You're like, okay, I'm going to fully get into this. I'm going to fully enjoy it. That's what the ghost tour is. Just in this case, you're walking through the movie. So fully stay open to it. You know, look for things. Kind of let yourself fall into it. Because the worst thing's going to happen is, oh, you had a good time. Best thing happens is, oh, you have a really good bar story now. That's so, true. So let yourself fall into it. It's, it is a walking tour, so I advise people that. You know, get a good drink beforehand. Relax yourself. Go to the bathroom beforehand because we don't stop. So do those things. Come in just ready to be a little scared, ready to be a little excited. And if you're not one of those people that can open up for that, like I said, just at least enjoy the stories. Because we have several people who do the tours. They're all great storytellers. They all want you to have a good time. That's wonderful. So if people want to know more about the tours or book one with you, Kyle, how would they get a hold of you? You can go to CincinnatiGhost.com or alternatively, if you're not in Cincinnati and you're traveling somewhere else, you can go to USGhostAdventures.com. We have tours in cities all across the United States. So if you're on vacation and you're from Cincinnati, but you're somewhere else, check it out. You may be able to find a tour in the city you're in. We do them just about everywhere. Every like Almost every major city has a tour, especially if you get down to like you know, Louisiana, Baton Rouge, all that. You get out to Savannah, Georgia, we've got a tour. And if you don't want to do the tour, we got a lot of haunted pub crawls too. So check those out. You'll have a great time, I promise. Have you gone on any of the tours in a different city? I have not yet. I'm looking forward to doing it. I'm currently just trying to like visit some of the places on our tour, like the Symphony Hotel. It's very hard to get into that one, especially the room that is supposed to be the most haunted. So, Oh, There's, it's got like a wait list or something for the haunted rooms? It just, well, it seems to be that way. I know with uh, the Velisca Axe Murder House, you can apparently stay either there or near there, and that has like a certain reputation. It's hard to get in that certain room. With the Symphony Hotel, the room where one of the women who worked there, she killed herself there. 
And that room is supposed to be the most haunted. And I'll throw in a freebie on the story. One of the things that tends to happen, especially for men who go there alone, is as they're drifting off to sleep, it'll feel like somebody's crawling into the bed with you. Now, I'm not going there because of that, but I do want to go there and stay in that room so I can experience it. And this way I can relate the story better to my guests. Right. That makes sense. Have a first-hand encounter so you can relay that. That makes sense. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for talking to me today. It's been very fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hey Coleraine. New episodes will be available each month, so make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts on. And hey, we're social. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can also learn more about what's going on in our community by visiting our website, colerain.org. On behalf of us here in the Colerain Township Administration, I'm Helen, and thanks for listening to Hey Colerain.